0: Oh, hey, you made it.
1: We weren't sure anyone was able to get the broadcast. We found this huge vault full of cool things from before the event.
0: Yeah, do you want to come check it out?
1: Welcome to the Don't Go Outside podcast. I'm your host, Robin.
0: And I am your other host, uh, Patch. Welcome to Don't Go Outside, everyone. Your podcast broadcast from the Um, post-apocalypse.
1: Today we've got some exciting topics, don't we, Patch?
0: We do. We have a few good topics this week. Uh, No follow-up, I don't think. Unless you count uh, spooky games uh, as a follow-up from our Halloween uh, half-spectacular from last week. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, because I've been playing a whole lot of... uh, Fun little game
1: called Dead by Daylight. <clears throat> hmm, Have you heard okay. of
0: Dead by Daylight, Robin?
1: It, it, you know what? It's it's ringing a little bell Um But uh, please go on, describe it, and I might be able to slot in. Well, it's um,
0: so it's a online multiplayer game, which I haven't played a good one of these for ages. Um, that's been it was doing the rounds a little bit on a few Twitch channels I was watching, and then I had a free weekend and I picked up and I was I was hooked immediately uh, and anyone familiar with the game will notice that that's a very clever pun uh, because one of the game mechanics is uh, using a, involves a, a big hook um, Dead by Daylight is a best described as an asymmetric multiplayer game where right. uh, it's five players, four players play as um, you know, t- your typical horror movie uh protagonists and they're all playing against uh a, they're all playing against someone who's playing as a killer a murderer who's on the loose uh in the world and they're try you're trying to basically fix generators uh to escape the level each generator contributes to the power of a big gate in the level that you need to get to and escape before the before the killer hunts you down and places you on a hook and sacrifices you to a being called the Entity. Wow. Um, it's so intense and scary, and I love it. Um, there's lots of different types of killers you can choose to play as, uh, all with their own unique perks and abilities. Same goes for the survivors. Each of them have their own perks and abilities. Uh, you can build up cool little teams of people uh, to try and work together. Uh, and it's just great. It's, I've, never, I've never been more uh scared and excited playing a video game uh online with other people you know it's just it's it's very well executed in terms of atmosphere um the killer plays in first person so he can only really see what's directly in front of him whereas all the survivors are in third person so while you're fixing a generator you can look around to see if the killer's coming and you know if the mm. killer's coming if if you just hear like your heartbeat gets more intense as the killer gets closer and the music builds up and it's just like oh god i need to escape it's um oh it's just a fun time man i've been up had a quite a few late nights just like you know terrified in the dark trying to escape killers um and also just feeling the the thrill of the hunt as the killer himself which is like the thrill of the hunt honestly wow. mate you've got it you've got to see it like playing as the killer unlocks some like primal murderous instinct in you, where, like, it's just the satisfaction of hunting people down and, uh, sacrificing them. It's just, I don't know, really linking in with my whole vampire arc we've got going on this podcast, but it's, um, yeah, I don't know, man, there's something about it, uh, both playing as a survivor, but then also a killer. It's, like, just two very distinct feelings of excitement and exhilaration for two very distinct uh, character types, if that makes sense.
1: Um, no, it does. And uh, you know what? I really love that mechanic you just described of the killer is first person and the the survivors are third person. What a, what a smart way to completely change the gameplay experience.
0: Yeah, uh, it's really good. Um, I mean, there's been a lot of um, asymmetric multiplayer games come out in the past few years. I remember there was a lot of talk around, uh, do you remember Evolve?
1: Uh, again, not no, I don't remember it, but it's ringing a bell. I will have because I actually I watched a couple of let's plays for Dead by Daylight, so I'll probably have seen some stuff for Evolve.
0: Yeah, so Evolve had a massive marketing campaign, uh, where it was like you know one person plays as this as this massive alien who you know evolves throughout the throughout the match, and the and the other four players are playing as hunters, so they're all trying to hunt down the alien and stop it before it gets too powerful um mm. which is a really good premise but like i think the i never played the game myself but i saw a lot of gameplay for it and i feel like the the gameplay just didn't really execute that feeling of being like you know terrified of the alien monster because you all had guns and you you had the power to stop it whereas in dead by daylight you're like powerless all you can do against the killer is escape like if there's there's nothing you can really do to combat this you know menacing force that's constantly looking for you um and um yeah I've just been thinking about asymmetric uh games quite a lot cuz it's just such a cool idea and it's something that I think you I I must I can't be alone in this because me and my friends used to play like local multiplayer quite a lot in games uh like um Conqueror's Bad Friday springs to mind where uh there were game modes where you would be velociraptors hunting down little cavemen and we would play right. it we would play it as in, one one of the players was the Velociraptor, and the rest of us were cavemen trying to escape. And uh, it really reminded me of the old N64 games, being like, oh, we used to just make up this game in our heads, and now someone has made it real and terrifying. It was, um, yeah, it really just, I think, gave me a little nostalgia hit for uh, Couch Co-op, even though it's playing online against randoms, you know? Mm.
1: Um, it's, it's just really nice... Um i do remember evolve now it's because they were big massive alien monsters weren't they yeah yeah, yeah yeah um i i remember that and it was the they just hadn't sit hit the the tone right because i think with asymmetric uh games it's not just about having the different mechanics although that is important it's about making it feel very tonally different yeah um in a way that it just doesn't feel like you're playing the same game you you're, you feel like you're playing something substantially different mm-hmm. and I, I mean inherently asymmetric games are a nightmare to balance like because you're on an absolute knife edge oh um, yeah, yeah but it's it really good to hear that they've done it done it right with dead by daylight because it's such it's such a great premise and it seems now it's been done it seems so obvious to have done that. Yeah, you know? yeah. It, it it seems like it was just low hanging fruit so I'm glad someone who's done it well has taken it.
0: And it's one of those games that's like um
1: because it's done so well a lot
0: of um a lot of uh what's the word like properties are licensed out to it so you can like buy packs, you can you know there's lots filled with microtransactions but a lot of them are like you buy buy certain packs so you can play as the like Mike um, Mike Myers from Halloween or Freddy oh, from stuff. Nightmare on Elm Street there's a Stranger Things expansion pack which I bought uh, you can play as like Steve Harrington as a survivor or you can play as uh, the Demogorgon which is really interesting and they, it has the Demogorgon has his own unique playstyle where you can open portals to the upside down to quickly like move across the map so if you can see mm. a generators being done across the map you can go into this you can climb into the upside down and just pop up next to people who are fixing the generator and give them a little scare. Um, so yeah, it's cool. Um, and it, so yeah, I, it, it one of those games I'm always thinking about like, oh, they should put this monster in it. Oh, they should put that monster in it. You know, it's one of the... F- I like thinking about it, stuff like that, you know?
1: Um, yeah, uh, and I actually think that whilst, you know, everyone still does hate micro microtransactions, I think that's a pretty good way of doing it because that's kind of like...
0: Well, it's just DLC just at that be, point, you know.
1: It's just the yeah. It's like micro expansions, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, um yeah, the other good one is I, I, bought, I bought the Silent Hill edition, so you can stomp around as Pyramid brilliant. Head. It's fucking cool. Oh. Yeah, man. Ah, oh, uh, yeah. So, I, and yeah, it's good because when they add licensed characters, they're balanced as well. It's not just, it's not just like chucking a character in for the sake of it. They've the developers seem to really have thought about how can we make this character work in the game rather than just being like, oh, here's a Mike Myers skin. Go around and stab people, you know?
1: Mm. So yeah, just um,
0: props, props to them.
1: Yeah, I mean, that sounds that sounds like a, a good old time. Sounds like a lot of fun Spooky, there.
0: spooky, spooky stuff. And, you know, if like me, if you're into spooky stuff and if you're a vampire and your life's, you know, got a bit of a edge of darkness to it, um, I would recommend our sponsor this week, uh, Scarespace. Scarespace is a great service where if you, if you're of the evil persuasion like me, I'm slowly, as a vampire, you know, I'm not naturally an evil person. You know, I find it really difficult to go out and hunt down prey uh, every night because uh, I need blood to survive. But what Scarespace do? They'll send a consultant to your, to your, uh, to your house. And they'll look at your, they'll look at your place of business, and they'll think, how can we make this suit yourself? You know, you're, you're a vampire. Like, taking my experience for example, they th- they said, listen, you're a vampire. You're gonna want, you're gonna want somewhere you can hang upside down, or a coffin when you're asleep. You're gonna want like bats and cobwebs everywhere. Uh, but that's just for me. But what ScareSpace will do, they'll send a consultant to your evil lair. And they'll say whether you're a Bond villain, whether you're a comic book villain, whether you're just a dirty old swamp monster living in living in the bayou. They will take your experience and shape it specifically to your needs. And when you when you bring victims home to to drink their blood, they will feel just as terrified as you need them to be. Uh, so this episode is brought you brought to you by Scare Space, uh, scary spaces for scary faces.
1: Good stuff. Thanks, mate. Um, what
0: do you have to talk about this week?
1: Well, it's actually a bit, bit spooky, scary as well. Funnily enough, oh, um, Halloween's
0: continuing long into it is Halloween's not
1: dead. Um, so I, I watched many years ago and really enjoyed Prometheus. Um, oh yeah, for the for those that don't know, Prometheus is uh, right, Ridley Scott. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um yeah, Ridley Scott. It's a Ridley Scott film and it serves as a prequel to the Alien franchise. Um and this this sort of got very mixed reviews, but I fundamentally enjoyed it. I thought it was a great film. Really had a good time with it. And I don't know how it passed me by, but this did have a sequel called Alien Covenant in like 2017. Yeah. And I completely mi- completely missed this. This was con- totally off of my radar. And um, I was watching a a Twitch stream, and someone just mentioned Alien Covenant Mm -hmm. as a as a sequel to Prometheus, and I was like, "What? How did this happen?" Um, So I watched that recently, and um, oh, oh, oh! I just love dipping into that world again. I just I love that universe. I think it's just so good. It's Um, a really
0: interesting universe. I have only seen the first two Alien movies. like you know, I only really remember the second one, and I haven't seen Prometheus or Alien Covenant because I haven't seen the others yet, and I want to build to it. Um, I hear mm. a lot of die-hard Alien fans didn't like Prometheus, but like you said, it got a lot of mixed reviews.
1: So I'm interested yeah, to I mean- see it. I wouldn't describe myself as a diehard Alien fan. Like, I've not read all the, like, it, the surrounding comics and all that sort of yeah. stuff. I have just kind of watched the mainline series, which I massively enjoyed. Um But, yeah, so, essentially, uh, Prometheus is a... a uh, sorry, Alien Covenant is a sequel to Prometheus, and it, it, it just chronologically happens after the first one. Um, I'm not going to uh, describe too much about it if you haven't seen Prometheus in the first place, but, anyway, it's just very good. And, um... Michael Fassbender is in it playing two characters. And quite a lot of this film is just the Michael Fassbender show. Um, Okay. He's just being an incredible actor. Um, I'm always here for a bit of Michael Fassbender.
0: Yeah, I'm down for the Michael Fassbender show any day. It's my favourite show.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, so, uh, Michael Fassbender is a very central role in it. And I would actually say my only criticism I had of it I had already overturned by the end of the film <laughs> um, alright so um, one of the things and I, I kind of had this criticism of Prometheus as well but by the end of uh, Covenant I kind of overturned it mm. now one of my the things I loved about the alien universe um, from Alien 1 all, all the way through to the, the, the rest of them um, was that everything was just a bit shit you know like the ships didn't really work. Everyone smoked. Oh yeah. Everyone yeah. was in a bit of a rough spot. It wasn't like a good time. It's
0: like that gritty sort of Star Wars style universe. Yeah. Right?
1: Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's sort of like you know, it's yeah, we're all about in space and stuff, but it's not the brave new world we wanted it to be. Yeah, pretty much um, just working
0: on oil, on an oil rig in space.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and so with Prometheus and Alien Covenant everything's like actually quite clean and the technology works quite well there is a there is some breaks and stuff but yeah. everything just looks a bit a bit clean and nice and initially I was like oh that doesn't really fit in with this universe I don't really get it and then by the end of it I was like yeah it's because the people in Prometheus and Alien Covenant are rich they're, right. the, they're the rich ones. Okay. The guys in, in Alien are... The, they're oil rig workers. They're poor. Of course they, they are in this, this shitty spaceship because Weyland... Weyland-Yutani? Weyland-Yutani? Uh, Weyland-Yutani, the, the, the massive um, corporation, doesn't give a crap about these poor people who work on an oil rig. So, of course, they get all the rubbish, hack, broken up stuff. But all these like fancy, highly skilled colonists or scientists, yeah, they get the good stuff that looks nice, you know? Yeah, isn't that like, uh, uh, that's
0: sort of the thing with the first alien, right? It's like, oh, Weyland-Yutani don't really give a fuck about the workers, they just want, they need the alien because it's going to help their bottom line or something like that.
1: Yeah, um, but it's just, that hadn't popped into my head that the reason for the aesthetic difference is because of the reason, the class difference, essentially. Sure,
0: yeah, yeah. Okay, that's interesting.
1: Um, but I I don't know I wonder if I wonder if other people who had you know uh, not great feelings about Prometheus and Alien Covenant because of that difference in aesthetic I wonder if contextualising it that way might help them to enjoy it more I'm not sure because it certainly helped me and it made retrospectively Prometheus better for me yeah
0: I think one of the criticisms I've heard levied against Prometheus in particular is that it's too much of showing how the sausage gets made you know, it's like people don't really care about where the alien creature comes from. It's, it kind of ruins a lot of the mystery of it, if you know what I mean. Like the, the the big thing about Alien the first is that what the fuck? Where did this thing come from? Is it just been sitting in a on a rock for a million years, waiting for someone to come by? But then Prometheus goes, "Oh no, it's exactly this." And I think lifting the the uh, the curtain on the mystery is what kind of blew it for a lot of people and I can understand hmm. that with a lot of franchises especially that's I, I know that people have that problem with the Star Wars prequel, prequels <laughs> I can't say prequels a lot of people have that problem with the Star Wars prequels uh, because it's like well we don't care where Darth Vader came, came from we just care that he's a big scary space dictator you know
1: yeah um, I don't know I think part of that is my my argument with that sort of thing is whenever People get jacked up about a reboot or anything or a reimagining or stuff like that, and it's my my argument, my my statement to, against that would always be: Well, you've still got the original properties. Oh They're yeah, still there. yeah, for sure, for sure. You know, if you don't want all that extra exposition about aliens and where they came from, don't watch it. It's mm. cool. You, I mean, you know what it's going to be. Um, and if you do watch it and you don't like it, cool. Wreck on it out your brain. Yeah, it's fine.
0: I think that um, was our um, worry with the with the Mandal, you know, before it was the Mandalorian when it was when it was the Boba Fett TV series. One of my things was like, I don't really know if I want the mystery of Boba Fett to be revealed because it's like he he's cool because he's a mysterious character, but mm-hmm. I think, uh, you know, our our good friend John Favreau was, has has towed that line very well between you know keeping some things a mystery and then only. Showing us what needs to be shown, you know.
1: Yeah, I think so. Mm. Um, I think uh, I mean I enjoyed these films because I am the kind of guy that's like, yeah, man, I want to know how this stuff works. Like, I think mean, that's that's rad. Um, I'm the kind of person who does dig into the wiki of everything to just like, oh god, I want, I want, I want to know. Yeah. I want to climb inside this world and I, research it.
0: I like a bit of that myself as well. It's good. I think. The, the difference is whether or not it's executed well you know um, yeah. whether it's just George Lucas being like well Darth Vader came from here because of these and chlorians, and there you have it whereas if it's uh, like if you'd like Prometheus uh, because it gave you a bit of you know re- lifting the curtain I'm going to say again if you like Prometheus because of it revealed those mysteries to you in a satisfying way then there's no problem with that because it's like it's, it's, it's done well same with the Mandalorian it's done very well And, um, you know, later on the podcast, you might see whether we can, uh, execute, uh, something similar quite well. (laughs) We might, we might have, we might have a bit of a, will, will our podcast become the Phantom Menace or will it be Prometheus? Who knows?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Stay tuned. Um... Yes, so that was my feelings on Alien Covenant, and I'm really glad that I watched it. And what it's made me think is like I'm gonna get back on an alien kick, man. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get watch Alien, Alien One, Alien Two. I'm um, even, I know it's controversial. I enjoyed Alien Resurrection. I thought that was good. I um, have. I don't even know what that movie is. As I say, my
0: knowledge of Alien is quite tertiary, you know. Uh, but I think hmm. I'll get back into it as well. Maybe let's circle back on this for next episode and talk about aliens some more um yeah i, th- I prefer predator myself just uh i don't know i think i think my thing is what i've discovered playing dead by daylight is i just like merciless killers who just stomp around hunting people so maybe i'm more of a predator guy than an alien
1: guy you know that makes me think maybe they'll put in a predator into dead by daylight that'd be cool oh
0: there is a predator game that is like dead by daylight like the rather than alien oh. versus predator like it came out maybe the end of last year start of this year it's just it's called predator hunting grounds and you are just the predator facing off against marines it's supposed to be very good um but yeah that just reminded me there so I maybe need to check that out
1: i still remember the <clears throat> first alien versus predator game what a game came out. what a game what a ge- was it the first one, the one where you could play Colonial Space Marines and the Alien that and the Predator? That
0: wasn't the first one. That's the first one that people our, our age will all remember, but there was an Alien versus Predator, I think, like a fighting game for in the arcade or something. Um, right. But yeah, the Alien vs. Predator franchise has been going for longer than uh, most people have been alive. So, <laughs> you know, uh, that, that PC game where you could play as the Alien, the Marines, or the Predator, oh, that, was, my goodness. that was a
1: good time um playing as the playing as the colonial space marine i mean that was scary that was yeah. scary stuff man you had to like evolve um, as an alien as well from like a face hugger to like the little worm oh, yeah yeah and then like sort of the change in power when you were like going from being like this tiny little face hugger to being a chess buster then you're a badass oh and you can crawl through could vents
0: just, and shit yeah i just remembered yeah
1: yeah shred people Mm. although they did make i I mean i know why they did it for sort of balancing issues and to make the game not like an absolute stomp if you're an alien Mm. but like i thought the aliens were always a bit squishy you know yeah um because you were uh, like as a colonial space marine as it went through their their arc because originally it's like there's just a couple of them that are going to come get you but then by the end of it you're just like Blazing through them with an automated minigun. It's like, okay, <laughs> yeah. okay. Like I understand this, but I, oh, come on.
0: Well, isn't that in the sec in the second movie? In in is it Aliens? Is Aliens the second movie?
1: Yes. Yeah. No. Is it Alien? Alien Two? Aliens. I think aliens. it's Alien,
0: Aliens, and then Alien Cubed, because like Alien, oh Alien Three is literally just like Alien with the little three but i think aliens um, is the second one my point being is that they are quite squishy in that because remember there's a scene in the hallway where the turrets are just rinsing through them but the problem is that there's so many of
1: them it's like their power is in mm. numbers um but well i mean that's that's maybe that maybe is something that's a bit of a problem as well because in in prometheus and in well certainly in alien covenant the aliens are like the aliens are like bulletproof they're hard to kill yeah um, and maybe people didn't didn't like that.
0: Maybe. Do you prefer um, your aliens I- squishy or super solid? Let us know in the comments of this Spotify podcast, in which there are no comments. <laughs> Let us know on Instagram, <laughs> which you'll get a little um, link to at the end of the show.
1: Perhaps, perhaps it is. Um, it's one of these things that the original aliens that were made in Prometheus, and then in Alien Covenant and then in Alien um they were the sort of precursors and they were a lot harder um and then as the lineage went on and as the sort of gene pool like maybe got worse then they got squishier maybe that's the explanation
0: yeah like soft shell crab and versus hard shell crab <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah um yeah, so I've just looked this up. I know I tell you this off for this all the time, but um so there there's a, there's Alien, Aliens, Alien 3, Alien Resurrection, Prometheus and Alien Covenant.
0: Right, okay. I know there's one set on so, a prison planet. Is that
1: Resurrection? That's no. No, that's either Aliens or I think that's Aliens um, or Alien Three, Alien Resurrections like it's super hyper militarized. It's actually kind of like um, Starship Troopers. So it reminds me a lot of that. Oh, okay, um,
0: right. Okay, we've been talking any- about aliens for fucking ages. Can we uh, <laughs> like I do love talking about <laughs> it, but uh, I feel like I need to step in as, as some kind of moderator for the podcast. Um, any closing thoughts <laughs> okay. on Alien?
1: Yes, closing thoughts. Is the, uh, is Alien versus Predator canon? Yeah. Yeah, no? yeah, yeah, it is. I don't think it is.
0: It definitely is. Nah. All right. Well, comment on a postcard, uh please to our PO box <laughs> whether you think <laughs> it is not uh Alien versus Predator. you mean the films or the like the franchise yeah, as a whole? The, f- the films. I think it is canon. But is it though? Yeah, because, because even a- I, with well, of Aliens versus Predator, there's like um there's like easter eggs in the movies for like Predator stuff, isn't there?
1: There can be easter eggs that don't make it canonical but in Alien vs Predator the film, that happens in sort of like contemporary Earth but if we're to take you know, the Alien mainline franchise, then uh, Prometheus and Alien Covenant, where the aliens come from, are way in the future
0: Right, okay, well that makes sense that does make sense, I would say maybe it's closer to canon on the Predator side then because Predator canon is all over the place. That's true. Yeah. Maybe that's oh, why I and like it. Oh, there's like a...
1: Wow, there's like... Alien vs. Predator sequel. And there's a Pred-Alien.
0: Yeah, man. You know, I've seen a picture of it. It's cool. I just think... I think I like Predators just for like the design of them. There's like a... Hmm. There's a ridiculously expensive uh, sideshow collectible... Action figure, which is the samurai predator, and it's not in it's not in any film or comic book or anything. They just built this thing because they thought it would look cool, and it looks really amazing. It's just a a predator who was in Japan in uh, feudal Japan times, and he's collected Mm. a bunch of samurai swords, and he wears like the armor and stuff. It's just it's wow. Oh, it it looks amazing. (laughs) It looks amazing, and it costs three hundred dollars, and I'm never gonna own it. But sometimes I just google it and i sit and stare at it for a couple minutes <laughs> wide-eyed being like that's so cool <laughs> you know
1: uh, i love it and i think i'm gonna definitely uh need to dig into this because god i'm just looking up like uh, different types of uh aliens and oh my god yeah just, we could this talk lore, about this
0: predator and alien for a long for a long ass
1: time maybe we could but i think we're 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 slipping into talking about it for too long. Yeah. You're right. So yeah. let's 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 kick this along. Um, and do you have anything else before we move on to the topic of the week?
0: Yeah, I do. I wanted to cover this with you because I've discovered, I rediscovered Red Dead Redemption recently. Mm-hmm. Um, I had an itching to play it, and I was like, that game. I really enjoyed it. I want to go back to it. Um, So, uh, yeah, I've been playing Red Dead Redemption 2 again and just really not enjoying it on my second playthrough, but but can't put it down. Like, I'll play it for for hours, just grumbling away to myself, being like, this is fucking shit. I need to keep playing it. (laughs) It's such a confusing relationship I have with this game because it looks and sounds like it was developed by angels themselves. Like, it's a beautiful game. But it's so restrictive in things you can do. Um, mm. In terms of, I, I guess the story missions are what piss me off the most. Because Rockstar have developed it in a way where they have a very clear vision for how they want the story missions to play out. So you will enter a mission not able to pick the the weapons that you want to use. Like It will just be mm-hmm. like, oh in this mission Arthur has a rifle uh, and a shotgun and this particular type of pistol and that's it. Whereas they present it as this open world... Where you can approach the Wild West however you want. If you want to be a badass hunter who goes around killing everyone with a bow and arrow... You can do that. Unless it gets to the story missions and... No, you've got to do it this way. This is how we want you to play the game. And I just, find, I just find it so frustrating, you know? That they have this beautiful open world. The analogy that I thought of... Actually, going back to Sideshow Collectibles... The analogy that I thought of in the week was that Sideshow Collectibles have come out with this life size, fully detailed baby Yoda figure that is just hmm. like looks amazing, looks like the real thing that you can have in your room, but like it's it's not very posable. it's more just like a statue, and I feel like Red Dead Redemption 2 is is like that Baby Yoda statue where it looks perfect, but you can't really do much with it. You just have to be like there it is. Um so I've spent a lot of my time in this Red Dead Redemption playthrough just not doing any of the story just going out in the open world and exploring because there's so much hidden around to discover. Um so I've been enjoying that aspect of it but whenever I want to move the story along it just frustrates me no end because it's like oh maybe I'm hmm. going to I'm going to stealth around this mission try not to get caught I'm going to use my bow and arrow and some throwing knives but inevitably in every mission you get caught and you have to run away and it's just a bloodbath and Arthur's like oh, I can't believe we got caught that time and it's like well it's because like your partner went in guns blazing like there's i don't know it's just it's just frustrating that there's not the freedom that is advertised to you in the in the main story you know
1: uh, that it, it matches up quite well with your discussion of ludonarrative dissonance that we had mm mm-hmm, mm mm-hmm. um and I think it matches quite well. And I, whilst I haven't, excuse me, had that experience with um, with Red Dead Redemption because I've not played it, of course. Yeah. Um, I, I I feel that this is massively uh, a thing in um, JRPGs, almost to uh, a comedic effect. Sure. Um, so let's take the prime example of um, Aerith getting getting wiped out in. Final Fantasy Seven. Spoiler alert! Um, oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> if that spoiled it for you, guys, come on. Um, yeah. Once she gets she gets killed, and I remember because I was playing this as a kid. I was like, I was like eleven or something, mm-hmm. and I just I couldn't understand why I couldn't just bloody use uh, Phoenix down. I was like this yeah, doesn't actually that's a good point why, this doesn't make any sense mm. um i've seen my characters get absolutely wiped out, and it was like it was the first time i've ever had to um face that up front, and I found that actually very difficult to deal with yeah um because it really i don't know i don't know I remember at the time it kind of knocked me out, but it was also incredibly sad, but then it kind of hammered home um like the powerlessness of 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 death Mm -hmm. um that puts you in that you know your friends and your family will all die and there's nothing you can do about it even though you had all of this agency during life death is the ultimate removal of agency um i remember 11 year old me thinking this and going whoa man uh you need to you need to go watch smtv live (laughs) Um, 11 year old me would have been like what what
0: does agency mean you mean like james bond (laughs)
1: <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure my IQ peaked when I was about eleven, and it's just been s- just declining yeah, ever since. Yeah, my then. IQ
0: peaked when I was about maybe five, and just. You know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, but yes, so it is. It does strike me as a bit of ludonarrative dissonance there. Um yeah. you know, like like all of those times that you're like forced into a cutscene in a JRPG, and it's like, oh yeah, you can't use any of your abilities now, even though you would be able to just fix this in two seconds. Mm. Um. And I feel that that's the same thing and it is. it does hit a lot worse with uh, an open world game because the whole promise of the open world game is that you, it's an open world you approach things how you want, do what you want so to have that taken away from you is just it's just a bit naff, yeah. isn't it?
0: And like, because the story for Red Dead Redemption is I won't spoil anything, but it is good like it's, well, it's alright it's a, it's an okay Wild West tale Um And there are multiple endings The the game essentially ends the same way No matter how you end it But there's multiple ways you can end it Depending on how good or bad you are in the world Um, Hmm. You know, the title of the game It is a redemption arc Uh, But if you want to play the game as just an evil Like, just an evil asshole Which I kind of started doing Like, it doesn't feel very characteristic Towards Arthur Morgan's Redemption arc, you know? Uh, you can be as horrible as you want, and the story will just kind of keep going as if he's like, I'm gonna be better, I'm gonna be a better man, I promise, and then just go off and murder like an entire city full of people, you know? <laughs> um, and even if you're not, like, on the other hand, if you want to play it super nice and be like the nicest cowboy in all the land, there's segments of the game where Arthur Morgan will sit down and have an existential crisis with one of the people in your camp being like, I've been going around murdering animals for no reason just to so I could feel something and it's extended I kill just people just because I see the flash of red in my eyes and you could be doing a playthrough where it's like I've not done any of that I've been killing bad guys <laughs> and people who deserve it you know um, so I don't know I feel like if Rockstar were to make Red Dead Redemption 3 like a sequel it would be nice to have more of a Maybe, like, create your own character and have like branching choice. No, not not like a, maybe not as extreme as like a Bioware game, but still give you that element. It needs to give you that element of control back, you know?
1: Red Dead Skyrim.
0: Red Dead Skyrim, or, um, well, I've been playing Fallout, by the way. I won't get into that, but, um, I've been playing, I started a, a Fallout playthrough on survival mode on a melee only build. Oh boy, that's been exciting. But I'll maybe talk about that once I've, done <laughs> in another episode, once I've, dug a bit more into it, but yes, um like a fallout yeah like um like a mass effect or a Skyrim style like here's your cowboy just um you know go 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 wreak havoc and we will mold the story around you you know, but I can understand that that adds a whole lot of extra hours onto development time, you know
1: hmm. yeah, I mean I can get why why I can get why it's done from a development perspective. Yeah. Because it does, you know, it simplifies a lot of it, and it means you can actually tell a plot rather than just allowing it to be, allowing it to be, you know, just complete chaos. But I always just think, it, use the Morrowind technique um, of, yeah, you can do this. You can totally re- wreck your plot and wreck your game if you want we just kind of advise you don't yeah um, I seem
0: to remember I, Grand Theft Auto 4 had that mechanic where there was, there was near the end of the game there were some missions where you had to make a critical choice of whether you're going to kill person A or person B and if you killed person A person B would be like you killed that guy but I can't possibly work with you anymore so our relationship is done and then that was like you couldn't complete the game at that point and I thought that was really interesting an interesting way to do it hmm frustrating in a way because it's like well I, I don't really have a choice if I want to complete the game but also like you know they were kind of going in the right direction but if they wanted to tell just a straight up narrative no choice of story they should have gone in a more you know uncharted last of us direction you know
1: yeah I can I can hear that yeah it's a, it's a weird relationship you're having with the game yeah. there but I mean I'm glad you're kind of enjoy- enjoying it I don't well, it's know fun. I'm glad you're having a- it
0: it's good to like unwind I use it as like just go out into the into the um go off into the mountains and just unwind and go off basically use it as like a virtual camping simulator camping in- I've been using it actually <laughs> I've been legit using it as just a hunting and fishing game <laughs> you know really yeah Uh, which has been quite fun you know um, and also cowboy dress up which is just you know I like, spend ages just getting the outfit perfect for the weather conditions. Uh so yeah, I don't know. It's, it's 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 good, but when it comes to the story, it's just I don't know. I've I've I've, I've, said, I've said my bit on it. Um can I just mention one thing briefly before we get on to our first topic of the week? Of course. Um I just wanted to say we are we are now in uh officially in a new generation of uh consoles. Uh the PlayStation 5 oh, has been yeah, released. We are. Uh, the Xbox Series S, Series S and X have been both been released. Um, but I wanted to mention, we are a video game, film, comic book, movie review podcast, but um, I don't plan on getting either of the new consoles for a couple of years. I usually, when it comes to a console generation, let let them settle in a little bit. You know, let the price drop, just let them kind of get to grips. You know, I, I'd like a backlog of games to come to when it comes to new consoles, because i only bought my playstation 4 last year uh for my for my birthday a little 30th birthday gift to myself bought a playstation 4 and there was like a whole library of games to go back to um so i just wanted to say like if if you're coming here looking for next generation gaming chat then um we might not cover it i don't know would you feel the same or are you gonna get that um are you gonna get that demon souls machine you've always wanted
1: Oh, uh it's difficult isn't it because yeah. that's the whole reason I bought a bought a PS4 wasn't it Yeah um it was purely that 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 PS4 played what 600 hours of Bloodborne and not much else Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and it's the same uh, reason I bought a
0: Switch to be honest I bought a Switch for Breath of the Wild um but yeah I just there's nothing there's no for me there's not really any console sellers at the moment there's a lot of good looking games hmm. uh but yeah I feel like uh, I just wanted to put the message out there, being like, we're probably not going to cover next gen stuff. I will be covering games totally. Um, I'm thinking of getting this PC upgraded uh, so I can play a few newer games. Uh, but yeah, I just, I just want to acknowledge the 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 new generation of consoles and wish them the best of luck. Uh, and I'll see you in a couple years.
1: <laughs> I agree. I agree. Picking it back up then. Um, what I just wanna say, um, just while we're on the topic of the PS five mm-hmm. and uh just just to just to gloat a bit about how how smart I am. Okay. Um when we were talking about it and I mentioned how influential the haptic feedback engine on the controller is gonna be. Yeah. And how well it's gonna be be used. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep, that's exactly what happened. So you get forced feedback on the triggers. Um which they've made use of. And apparently the force feedback is really strong. So like you can hardly pull them at sometimes. Yeah, i So I've that, heard that's that, going to yeah. be built. Um, and apparently it just, it's just so engaging. It's so, so mm. engaging. Um, but yeah, I, I'm feeling pretty happy about that. And I think that the haptic feedback engine is going to make this, uh, this is going to be the victory console. I suspect.
0: Oh, okay. Victory console.
1: This is the one. The one that's going to win.
0: I feel like Microsoft I might have probably said this on the podcast before I feel like Microsoft aren't really bothered if they win or lose the the console war because they've they've been putting a lot of effort into Xbox Games Pass in the past few years Mm -hmm. uh, which means if you have Games Pass you can play Xbox games on your PC if you've got one. One interesting thought I had was... um, You know how, like, uh, Microsoft bought Bethesda recently? It might have been since we recorded the last episode, but it was in the past couple months. So, like, Microsoft bought Bethesda, um, which are, like, they're a massive player in the games development industry. I thought it would be interesting if going forward, like, every generation there's, like, uh, a developer trade. You know how, like, in sports, they're, like, you know, teams trade off players, like, (laughs) every couple of seasons? i think i think yeah. it'd be really interesting if that's how the video game industry went and i can see that i don't know if it will definitely be a thing but i can see that being a thing like sony being like listen we lost out heavily not having just hypothetically not having the latest skyrim on playstation 5 so we're gonna make we're gonna buy bethesda for this new generation and like you know microsoft you can have team eco for a for a season you know I can see that That's... I can see that being quite an interesting way to play it in the future you know like especially with Games Pass and Playstation Now and stuff like that it doesn't there's doesn't seem to be maybe there is if you're a bit younger I know when I was younger like the console wars meant a lot more to me but now as like a 30 year old man um 31 but you know who's really counting as an older gentlemen i feel like i just kind of go where the good games are i don't really give a shit about the consoles i have a pc so i'm kind of like you know if i have xbox games pass i don't need an xbox i don't know i just thought that that would be an interesting idea for going forward just like trading companies between them just i wanted to put that idea i I agree
1: i think that would be completely awesome Mm -hmm. i'd love to see that but i'm really not sure about the Ah, there's going to be a lot of IP problems with that, isn't there?
0: Well, yeah, Um, I mean, consoles will always have their their exclusives, you know, their Halos and and your Uncharted and stuff. But when it comes to, like, third-party properties, like Assassin's Creed, Tomb Raider, uh, Hitman, uh, Skyrim, Fallout, that kind of thing, it'd be interesting. I don't know. I don't know. I just thought I had... I thought that would be an interesting way for the industry to go, but I don't know. When it happens, I'm going to be sitting here being like, I told you so.
1: Told you when, when, and and <laughs> This is an official announcement from the Bank of the Wasteland. As of now, all previous currencies, in light of the recent economic downturn, have been recalled to be replaced with Zuckbucks. An announcement from Mark Zuckerberg himself will now illuminate the changes that will take place. Alright mate, it's me Mark Zuckerberg! I've taken over the wasteland and I don't want any
0: more of your stupid bottle caps or Funko Pops clogging up my safe. I've printed a new type of currency called Zuck books It's all bits of paper with my face drawn on them and you can trade them for goods and services alike in any loyal uh, wasteland shops, stores, mechanics garages or restaurants. Uh, they'll take them and they'll trade them and you'll get whatever you want. books is the new Courage Seat. Uh, this is King Marcus Zuckerberg signing out. Uh, I've gained power again. You thought you'd seen the last of me when the bomb dropped, but I'm back, baby. Better than ever. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg signing out. Cracking up with a few tinnies and just enjoying the nuclear sunset.
1: now shall we slide in to our topic of the week
0: Uh, yeah just let me put on my wetsuit get ready for that slip and slide that you seem to have installed in in the the vault and uh, the vault slip and slide skid on down to our first topic of the week which is Robin
1: onwards uh, the Disney film starring Tom Holland and Chris Pratt Disney Pixar I think you'll find It was Disney Pixar, yes. Um, And I'll just briefly outline the the, the plot. So Onward is set in a fantasy setting. So your classic elves, um, wizards, uh, you know, magical beasts, unicorns, all of that stuff. But rather than it being during the peak time of that, where most high fantasy is set, um, this world has embraced modernity and has... Sort of started to use electricity and smartphones, and they're very much contemporary with our current culture. Yeah. Um, which I, out of the gate, love that setting. Mm-hmm. Um, but the story follows uh, two brothers played by Tom Holland and Chris Pratt respectively, who are elves, and they're given a call to action because one of them uh, gets old enough. Uh, gets I think he's sixteen and um called to action by their deceased father to go and go on a quest have fun bring him back to life for a day and then chat to him and then end of the film obviously there are lots of adventures and challenges and jokes and japes along the way um and that's that's that essentially i think that's the that's uh, that's Onward one hundred one.
0: Yeah, you don't need to. You don't need to watch the movie now. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> There's tons of cool stuff in this film, um, which I really enjoyed. I've not seen a Pixar movie for. I think I've skipped a couple. I like. I've. Me too. I've, there was a while where like Pixar were just on a roll with like every movie they brought out was just an absolute banger, um, and then yeah, like I haven't seen. Um, I mean, I haven't seen Cars two. I've not seen The Good Dinosaur. Mm-hmm. Um, I vaguely remember Ratatouille um, and Toy Story Four. I watched last year, pretty good actually, actually surprisingly good. But uh, yeah, I think Onward seems to be a, another like cla- like really t- decent Pixar movie. Just a really good idea executed well. Like just staying focused on what I've always admired about Pixar films is that they really just they stay focused on their concept. They don't kind of branch out into like okay, and, and what if we add this into the mix? It's like nah, this is a fantasy movie set in the twenty first century. Uh, just you know, what what could we what can we do with that? Um, yeah, so I really like it, man. It, I was um, actually no, I wasn't. I was going to say I was skeptical about it. I wasn't because I trust Pixar to treat this kind of material well. Um, they seem to have crafted a world that is. Both knowledgeable of, uh, say, Dungeons and Dragons, and also, like, I mean, I'm hesitant to say respectful of it because that makes me sound like a complete asshole, but respectful of that kind of world. Whereas I think if this film had been made by anyone else, it would have just been full of, like, you know, slightly cheaper gags at the material's expense.
1: Well, let's just say, let's say how it is, right? This is made by people who actually love high fantasy. And all of that awesome geek shit that we love, rather than uh, cash in on people's misunderstanding of nerd and geek culture, a la Bazinga. And- yes, no,
0: perfect. That's that's that worded really well. I, was, I wasn't going to bring up the Big Bang Theory again, but it made me think back on the Big Bang Theory episodes where they played Dungeons and Dragons and all it was was just constant jokes about how how uh, a wand is shaped like a penis <laughs> you get it because a wand looks like a it's long it's long and thin like a like a, like a penis isn't that funny was yeah. the entire episode Um where is this uh, it's like we've played D&D we love it I, I actually would go so far to say as there's finally a good Dungeons and Dragons movie now <laughs> you know yeah, yeah. There have been time, tons of stinkers, uh, and I haven't seen most of them. I've just seen bits of them, and they all look really weird and crappy. But no, I think this is like a legit good D and D movie.
1: Yeah, I I agree, and it, it it pays homage and respect to the stuff, and you can say respect because it does pay respect to the source material. I just didn't want to sound like um, a snob, you know. <laughs> no, it's fine. Um, also, just just to just to. Pause and go back to something you said. How dare you be so flippant of Ratatouille? Now that is a film that is very respectful of its food source material. Oh no, that's, I remember, I remember
0: liking Ratatouille. I just, um, I just, uh, I just don't remember much about
1: it. You know, um, it is actually just to just to have a little slight slight um, tangent onto onto a Ratatouille. slight tangent. I think rat- Ratatouille is maybe the best, if not certainly one of the best food films that's ever been made. Yeah, okay. And Better than Chef. I, I mean Uh I it's up there. It's up there with Chef, yeah. I do like Big Chef. Time. It's very good. Like, <laughs> I'd put it in with the legendary food and drink films, like like Chef, like um Tampopo, like um Eat Drink Man Woman, all of this stuff. I would put it, I'd put it in that like heavyweight category. I think you're um, going to have to
0: give me a list of good food films because I've not really thought about that as a genre before excluding Chef and Ratatouille and if there's good ones like kind of the kind of films that make you want to cook and want to eat and kind of make you hungry watching them. That kind of stuff.
1: Um, well, I can, certainly, I can certainly do that for you. I try not to talk about food too much in this podcast because that's well, yeah, I, in my other life, um as you may or may not know, uh, listeners to this podcast, I um I work quite extensively in with an it. alternate so reality. In an alternate reality, um, as we'll get into uh, later in the podcast. <laughs> um, so um, that that tangent aside, and and back to onward. Yes, I think they dealt with the material really well, and you know what? I will agree that it's perhaps one of the. It, it's like it's a good Dungeons and Dragons yeah. film. It's. That, that's something I thought the whole way through it
0: yeah man, uh, it's just really good and um which is, I think I've said about three times <laughs> I like that um the idea that the world has kind of gotten over magic a bit, it's like, ah it's a bit old hat we've got like iPhones and refrigerators and stuff now and this is just kind of the world we live in whereas um there are I like the idea that there are still little pockets of magic and secret dungeons and stuff left to be explored out in the world um I love all the nods to like um to like how people have lost their way. Like the like the bike like the biker gang of pixies who like forgot how to fly because they, yeah. they just have motorbikes now. It's like, oh no, they've they've learned again how to fly. And the Manticore has like lost her way. She's opened like a TGI Fridays in what used to be like a the traditional like old adventurer's tavern. Which I just yeah, yeah. I really oh man, it's just the world building in it. It's just uh I was going to say magic, uh, but more in like a Scottish way. Oh. Like, I legit was just, oh, it's pure, it's fuck it, it's pure magic, mate. But like, uh, then I thought, oh, magic, oh, um, so I avoided the pun, and now I've spoken about the pun a lot longer than I should have done.
1: Yeah, and it's punishing. Trying to fucking um, kill me, right? <laughs> <laughs> just kidding, just no, kidding. the world building is, um, is, is really, really good. I love it. W- well, Pixar's world building in general is second to It's none, always you know? good, mate. Like, it's always good, and they've always paid such credence to making just the tiny details sell it mm-hmm. to you, you know? Um, which, uh, just, just just, good stuff. Yeah. Um, so, other than the world, world building, um, I like that they just leaned into, yeah, well, you know, we're basically writing a love letter to high fantasy, so let's just make it a straight hero's journey and not even mess around yeah, yeah. <laughs> because it's it is just it is the hero's journey but start to finish all the way through and it's just it's great that they just went yep that's what we're going to do and we're not even going to be ashamed of it yeah which is exactly what they needed to do
0: yeah i think so because i think it's quite yeah it, it, there is a risk, I guess, in writing a story like that where oh, we don't want to get bogged down in the hero's journey. We we maybe want to put a twist on it. It's like no, nah, there's no need to put a twist on it. Just be like yeah, we're, he's just a, he's just a young wizard off on a quest. Um, and I'm really interested to see what uh, uh, if there is a sequel. I don't know how well this film did because it came out right at the uh, I think it came out right around the start of the pandemic and it got released on Disney Plus yeah. and that's how I saw it. Um. So yeah, it's going to be difficult to gauge how well this movie did in terms of whether or not it will get a sequel. But I, like, my mind was reeling at the end of it, being like, "Oh, is he going to go off to like a wizard school? Are they going to do like a like a Harry Potter style? You know, like, oh, you're going to go to a secret wizard school now, which I would I would totally love to see a little spin, like a like a spin on on that story as well. Yeah, in that world,
1: um, I think. Well, that's again the thing with Pixar films is the worlds are so good you could see sequ- sequels ad infinitum, uh-huh. you know. Um, but then you got the danger of I having like, think, Cars
0: too, which is like, what yeah. if more cars? Though it's like, <laughs> <laughs> maybe not more cars. Well,
1: because you know Americans love NASCAR, and Pixar have to pay the rent. Here's something I I have to say about it. I kind of thought that it was Pixar's Shrek. Discuss.
0: You thought it was Pixar's Shrek? In yeah. what way? Because, like, Shrek was. Re- I mean, it made DreamWorks Pictures. It made the animation studio, like, really what it is. Whereas I feel like Pixar are already established and they didn't. Their Shrek was like Toy Story. So, now, explain yourself.
1: Okay. I'll explain myself. <laughs> Not in a right? bad way. I'm just I'm so, excited to hear what you mean. Now, obviously, they have, you know, wildly different premises, wildly different characters. But uh, let's, let's look at it this way. It's a hero's journey with um, you have your main character who's a bit awkward moving from not really accepting themselves or being accepted by society to accepting themselves and living happily. During this time, they spend it with an oddball comedy relief character who not only serves as comedy relief, but also serves as a supporting character right. to the development of the protagonist. Now, it's set in a semi-modernized fantasy fantasy world, mm-hmm. um, which pays homage to the fantasy setting without undermining it and, um, you know, sort of not paying respect to it. See what I mean, oh how there's God. similarities there? You're right. They're total rip-off merchants. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, no, I'm not saying that. I've
0: uh, never I'm never watching saying, another like, Pixar film as long as I live. <laughs> Oh, there's not um, an original idea said, in that studio anymore. No, Robin, that makes so much sense. Actually, I didn't even think about that because uh, when you said it was Pixar's Shrek, I thought, oh, "What do you mean, like in a business or a like, creative way?" But no, it's it's a narratively, it is a good. Uh, it's a similar type of story to Shrek that you mentioned. It, yeah.
1: And I, by no means, this is not a criticism. Yeah, no, I get you. I was
0: just taking the piss before. <laughs>
1: um, obviously, this is uh. You know, this kind of story can, you know, come about independently, yeah. and it makes sense for for Onward's story arc. Uh, but I just I found that quite funny the similarities between Onward and Shrek. Yeah. Shrek, which even though it's become such a ubiquitous meme, it's still a good film. <laughs> it's a good film. Well,
0: it's 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 infinitely memeable for a reason because people do genuinely love that film. Like it's a good movie.
1: Mm. Um so yeah, that's just an analysis I made, which uh I thought was funny because yeah. I thought it at the time. Yeah,
0: no, no, it's, it's 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 a good good observation. I totally hadn't thought of that. Um Yeah, um I think I had something else to say about it. Um I really like um the Chris Pratt character. I was just watching it the whole time be like, that guy's me. <laughs> in a way <laughs> In a way we're like uh, I was watching it with my fiance, and she was like, <laughs> "He's like you," and I was sort of like, haha. And I was like, "No, he is though." <laughs> he's, he's I, I, I really, I want that van, and I listen to that kind of music when I'm driving around a lot because I just, I just, yeah. And uh, he's just a goofball who loves fantasy stuff and is just really unironically into it and unapologetically just like, yeah, this stuff is fucking awesome, and I, and I don't care if anyone thinks I'm I don't care if anyone thinks I'm a I'm a nerd I just I just really like it man I just it's cool that there was like the comedy relief character that I was like oh yeah that guy's me um so yeah I just <laughs> wanted to, to touch on that a wee bit um and yeah uh I liked that um yeah there was promise of like there's more to this world that we can do with but we don't necessarily have to there's a lot of mystery left as to like what's gonna happen now that the world has remembered that there's magic you know um mm. yeah is there gonna be more of it I liked a lot of the creative the creative choices as well like the little gag of <clears throat> the without going too much into spoilers like the final encounter with the uh, with the villain like it, it took parts of the of the school and like his face was like the goofy dragon face I thought it was quite a good gag yeah
1: that was I thought yeah. that was hilarious I really. but then that.
0: also like it was funny at first but then watching it more like wow this is really well thought out because when it when the um when it roars it like uses all the sounds of like that building like the school bell and all the pipes and stuff it was just really like like it was it was almost like oh they came up with a gag and then like oh wait no we can actually make this really interesting and creative and cool you know
1: I I think that's kind of exactly what happened when they storyboarded mm-hmm. it, which is um I, I, I really like that too. And also something we haven't touched on at all is the whole side plot with the Manticore and the mum. Yeah. Which is just stunning. It's such a good side plot.
0: Yeah, yeah, really good actually. How like the Manticore remembers uh not remembers, but gets back into training as being this uh dangerous beast of prey rather than like the super friendly, cuddly lion. Uh, that runs the TGI Fridays
1: and the the mum just being like yeah I'm just I'm going to go find my kids because that's what I do yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: no it's good because I thought it would be because um, when they first left the house I was like oh they're just not really going to cover how the mum deals with it they're going to come home and the mum's going to be like where were you I waited up all night Whereas not, she's like, I'm going to go on my own adventure to find my sons. like, oh, that's <laughs> cool, that's really badass. Uh, so yeah, really, really yeah, well executed like B plot. Um, yeah, nice. It's just, just a, just a very good film. Very good uh, Sunday morning viewing, or maybe it was a Saturday. Like I just got up on a Saturday. I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna watch Onward. It's supposed. It looks really cool. It looks right on my street. Um, and yeah, and now it's our topic of the week. So, I can... Suck on that, Pixar, you you, you done a good one.
1: <laughs> Don't know where I was going with that. Suck on that, Pixar, you done yeah. a good one. That's uh stick there you that go, in your pipe and celebrate. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, yes, yeah, so, I, I mean I'm 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 in total agreement. I enjoyed it. I think it's I think it's a great yeah, film. Man.
0: Yeah, Yeah. Uh, would you go outside for um for onward?
1: I would go on a big old adventure in a van oh, there is. Um, to to pick up pick up onward and bring it home for us all to watch and enjoy. Yeah,
0: me too. I'll I'll go in that van with you. Um, really creative use of one last thing. Really creative use a of uh, not the van of the spells as well. The way like they were like uh, you could see him like training his spells and stuff, and it was like watching it. I was like. I'm gonna put some of this in my Dungeons and Dragons games, <laughs> so, like, you, like really good ideas. Oh yeah, you could use that to do that. That's really clever, actually. So yeah, there's, uh, fucking what a, what a, what a movie. Yeah, no, I would go outside for onward. Um, yeah, just just a good movie. Check it out. It's on Disney Plus. Uh, so if you have that, you can uh, you can watch it right now. And if you don't have it uh just call the old uh, John Favreau Postal Service he'll uh, bring you an old VHS of it and uh, you can click it in and watch it that way uh
1: yeah so that is um that's that's onward um now what what Patch and I want you to do next is we realise that we're coming up on on thirty episodes now. We've got, we've we've done a fair amount of these. You could almost listen and, to one episode
0: of this uh, show for each year that I've been alive. Can oh you imagine my that?
1: Um <laughs> And uh, so that's it's a fair amount, and um, we've built up a fair amount of uh, of history. A lot is a lot has gone on, and, and perhaps some of that could seem a bit intimidating to newer listeners. So I thought that. We could maybe uh, just just do a quick quick recap on how we got here today, yeah. what's going on, uh, why we're here, why we're why we're why we're doing this. A little little. So we break down of uh, the don't go
0: outside uh, podcast universe. <laughs>
1: I was going to say cinematic universe, um,
0: but we're we're a podcast, so you know
1: <laughs> audio universe. Yeah. Um, so essentially, um, Patch and I live in the post apocalypse. And we stay in a vault together, but specifically the vault we chose to hide out in contains all of the media that's ever been created by humanity. It's one of those. So, I
0: think there's one in, um, you know, in your time in in real life, there is um, there is one of these media vaults in America somewhere where they like pick they like take a bunch of classic movies and uh, TV shows to for prosperity's sake put them in a vault. Our vault was just, there's just any old shit in here. They're just like, yeah, just chuck it all in in case the world ends or we're gonna need stuff to do. Um, we stumbled across this vault, uh, trying to find a place to hide while the world was ending, and um, yeah, and now we r- r- now this podcast is us just talking about all the things we found in this vault,
1: and we send out this broadcast into into the wasteland to be picked up. Now, um, you might be listening to this uh, from perhaps another reality or another dimension, because as a result of the post-apocalyptic events that happened, reality is a little bit wobbly. um, So things can, you know, slip out. So, you know, you might be hearing this syndicated through uh, uh, Apple, iTunes, Overcast, or whatever podcast reader you use. Subscribe, please. And so that that that's the sort of main premise. Now, I, I think what it's important to note on is that rather than it being the post-apocalypse, it is just the apocalypse. Every depiction of any apocalypse has happened, or is happening, or or will happen. So, yeah, if you've seen
0: it in a film uh, or a movie or a game or a TV show, it's it's happened to us, man. <laughs> we very recently got um, uh, snapped out of existence by Thanos. Uh, thus, resulting in a two-year hiatus of the podcast, uh, and we're back now.
1: Um, and that—that that was well. It wasn't particularly rough for us because we didn't exist for two yeah. years. But um, you know, when we came back. Things were different a little bit. Uh, there's been vampire infestations. Well, there I wouldn't are... call it
0: infestation. That's a bit hurtful, uh, you know. To i vampires among the audience.
1: Yeah, I'm sorry. i I'm forgetting that you know now since since your recent vampirism i have to be more understanding of that um so we have uh mutants and super mutants. and we have some gargoyles from some medieval apocalypses that happened nearby um so it's a, you know it's an interesting old world in in, in which we live at the moment yeah um, fun
0: but dangerous
1: exciting very dangerous. but
0: depressing hot but very very cold um, it's a world of extremes and a world of possibilities and a world in which we mainly just sit around and watch TV.
1: Uh, I know. It's it's amazing that all these things are happening outdoors and we stay indoors. <laughs> wow. uh, mainly because, you know, one day you can go out and it's a radioactive wasteland and the next day it's um, a frozen snowpiercer-esque ice age. You don't really know what you're going to get. Um, but within the vault, we do have we have a couple of sections. We have a basement that's filled with eldritch horrors that we have to placate occasionally with human sacrifices. Um, we have the anime cave, which is where, where all the anime kept, but it's very important to keep that hose down and clean, or else you can get infections of hentai, and it gets very tentacly. Um, but yeah, so we live here in the vault with... Um, our good friend and landlord called Segway Mutant who is basically an 8 foot tall jacked green mutant that rides around on a segway all the time uh, he's incapable of speech but we kind of understand what he's what he's talking about through complex eye signals you
0: spend enough time with him you get to you get to notice patterns
1: mm. um and sort of our local our local apocalyptic community um, I mean, there's there's been a number number of people we've met, so uh, Fanny Beasts, for example, she runs our local canteen. They do a Kraken
0: oh, all day breakfast, you know, your usual fried rat, ostrich eggs,
1: uh, bits of
0: tyre, you know, it's just all, all, all the good stuff.
1: Big beans. You'd be amazed at the amount of tyre we consume, um, is it's quite incredible. Yeah, really.
0: a lot of rubber in our diet, or at least used to be in my diet, but, you know.
1: um. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I got all your your we'll rubber, which that. is lovely. Um, and we have uh, our local butcher is a tiny Italian man called uh, Mad Max, who only why is he why myself. is he a
0: small Italian man again? Did you just say I can't I
1: can't remember? Yeah. I just it's because he like makes sausages at people. Like salamis and stuff uh, yeah, but yeah, just the, just the detail of it being tiny, I thought I was like, where'd that come from? But no, I'm,
0: I'm, I'm fine. I'm, we'll run with it
1: um, uh, uh, And uh, probably one of our most important friends is Warlord Beefsteak, who is the head of a rampaging band of mutants who sort of turned peaceful and opened a brewery.: Yeah, um, the time sponsor of the show provides everything from uh, an imperial dirt ale. Um, all the way up to a glowing radioactive lager. Mm-hmm. Um, so he makes all, all kinds of different things, which is uh, an incredible friend of the show. I mean, he has tried to kill and eat us a number of times, but we always get away with it, and he's, he, he t- changes his mind. Yeah,
0: yeah, he's a good friend. Another good friend of ours, uh, Mikey the Mechanic, he uh, runs the the Mechanics Workshop where I would go and get my my Mad Max-style Road Rage racer, Repaired and fixed up, covered in spikes and harpoon guns, and 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 uh, that mesh you put over the the windscreen so uh, you know to keep uh you know keep the windscreen from getting smashed. He's he's uh, another good friend of ours. Not seen him for a while, but we know he's around.
1: Um, very questionable opinions on uh, mutant kind. On 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 mutant kind, yeah. He's um every Brooklyn stereotype that you could imagine. Um, <laughs> yeah. Blue collar. Yeah. Uh, we. I mean, he's a questionable character, but, you know, we he's like got him. a
0: heart of gold, just uh, he's a bit uh, mutant sceptical. Um, <laughs> as, a, as a relatively new race of people, the mutants are having a bit of a hard time gaining a foothold, but that's mainly because of how violent they are. Um, Warlord Beefsteak is doing a lot of work to try and turn that image around, but... For for you know for the for the average average Joe, um or who's another character of ours, um uh, <laughs> but for average Joe and Mikey the mechanic, they're still a bit uh you know, sceptical of their true intentions.
1: Um yeah, and I, I suppose that's sort of uh as a very brief brief history, um there was a rather tragic um relationship and love arc um if you wanted to go into that more
0: um yeah in the very beginning um i uh, i was in a very loving relationship with a uh, with a woman some might call her a mop i'd call her a woman uh scarlet mop hansen uh we were in love she was definitely a mop yeah. <laughs> she was a,
1: she was a physical mop uh, she was an actual mop that
0: ended poorly and uh i mean in many ways it was good for me you know i got out, started my career as a road warrior Got into some Thunderdome fights and that, um, you know, more recent listeners of the podcast will know that led me to become, uh, a vampire. Uh, I met, uh, I met Pazuzu, the vampire lord, in the basement of an old abandoned hospital and he turned me vampire. And uh, now I'm gonna live forever. So the perils of the wasteland don't quite scare me as much. Um, which is quite nice. Uh, it just means, uh, I have to, you know, be a vampire. One of the downsides of being a vampire is that you have to be a vampire. Um... But you know, there's no, uh,
1: no going back for me. But uh, yeah, um, <laughs> I mean, I would say one of the main da- downsides of living with a vampire is the cleanup. Oh my goodness, the amount of just bits of person <laughs> that I mean, they get everywhere. They get everywhere. Patch. Yeah, but you may have a little good um, side
0: business selling that offal to um, to Mad Max for the man meat uh, bologna
1: ah i mean that make that's very clever mm-hmm. makes sense and um very recently I've actually just taken a job at uh the local cryonics lab because some some people's uh long term payments to the lab to keep them in in the deep freeze has have started to run out um and it's been my job to bring them up to speed explain explain the uh the new world to them uh try to calm them down um i only very recently brought Ainsley Harriet back out. <laughs> and what's he doing here? He was very confused. Um, he was just looking for a Tesco to buy five ingredients for under ten pounds to make a quick wholesome dish. Uh, um, how did he
0: take the news that Tesco lost the uh, the franchise wars?
1: Um, well, he he didn't really, he thought that the franchise wars were actually just, you know, uh, uh, bids for different real estate. And he didn't understand that in the future, Tesco and Asda and co-op actually became fully military complexes Mm -hmm. and began the, um, the great wars, which tore across the planet and began the nuclear apocalypse. Um, but after a bit of explaining, he started to understand. And then I introduced him to, to Mad Max and his man meat and said, hey, look, it's okay to eat people now. <laughs> um, and he seemed to take that on quite well. And I think he's now he's working at Fanny Beast's Canteen. Um, so I think he's he's uh, managed to reintegrate quite well.
0: Nice. Another celebrity pal to add to our roster of celebrity pals, uh, including yeah, uh, Ewan but, McGregor. But it's worth noting. Ewan McGregor, who does a lot of uh, charity work for homeless gargoyles in the wasteland, he's uh, really taken on a new lease of life. He's gone from you know getting around the wasteland as fast as he can on a motorbike to stopping and helping helping the little guy, the little gargoyles turning to stone on the street. He's uh, he's really helping them out, and uh,
1: a lot of a lot of good work. Long time friend of the show.
0: John Favreau as well. Uh, he's recently become a postman. Uh, traveling back and forth a bit like if you've ever played Death Stranding, think, picture Sam Porter Bridges, but he's played by John Favreau and he's dressed like the mailman from Legend of Zelda, and uh, you've pretty much got the got the full picture there.
1: Yeah, uh, and we're we're good friends with John Favreau, of course. Of course. <laughs> um. But yeah, so I mean that that's uh, there's obviously a lot more to that over the past um 26 or <laughs> so many of these fucking things we've done. Um but if you're if you're new to the podcast that's a, that's a quick update for what you can expect. Um maybe gives you a bit of context when we talk about living in the vault. Mm. Um and yeah, thanks. Welcome, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for listening, and uh, wanna wanna just just give you a little a little hug and a little kiss. <laughs> <you>. Very nice. <laughs> no, this is this is your
0: podcast broadcast from the post-apocalypse. Don't go outside, starring Patrick and Robin. As always, guys, don't go outside.
1: Uh, yeah, don't go outside, or you'll end up trapped in a paradox. While you're saying, go outside for your own podcast, which is called Don't Go Outside. But then by Doing that, you would not be outside, so you would have to stay inside. But then, by not going outside, you would go outside, so you couldn't not go outside for the Don't Go Outside podcast. But then, if you don't go outside, then you wouldn't have gone outside in the first place, so that you couldn't have gone outside to go outside for the Don't Go Outside podcast. So, don't go outside, but then if you don't go outside, You couldn't listen in the first place for me to tell you to not go outside, so you would have gone outside, but then you would listen to the Don't Go Outside podcast.
0: Don't Go Outside is your podcast broadcast from the post-apocalypse, brought to you by Patch and Robin. If you enjoyed this episode of Don't Go Outside, why don't give us a follow on Spotify or subscribe to us on iTunes and you'll be updated whenever a new episode is released. You can also find episode updates and other fun news on our Instagram feed at dgo underscore podcast.